Welcome to a very exciting conversation with Mr. Michael Frente. <laughs> yeah. We'll see about that. <laughs> so for the uninformed, which is pretty hard to believe, I'm very pleased to have this conversation. He's an artist, a musician, a community leader, a filmmaker, an advocate, an educator, a children's book writer a futurist, a humanitarian, which is not a word I use easily, and a true disruptor, which is the core of what this conference is about. Michael's been in a number of groups, and he may want to spend a few minutes and just talk about that, because they each have their own effect, I'm sure, on him. But his music defies, to me, definition. It represents a real cross-section of reggae, Afro, beat, funk, dance hall, folk, it's kind of indescribable. In addition to that, he lives from a global perspective. So he doesn't just live here in San Francisco. He travels to Iraq, Israel, Palestine, East Timor, anywhere where he feels he can work. And on that note, maybe we'll start there. Let's sure. start talking about how to be a working artist globally. Well, the first is uh, you have to work. <laughs> it's not easy to get work being a musician. So in order to, to find work and to make something that people want to hear, you have to speak from your heart. You have to say something that means something to other people so that in the years when you don't just have a hit song on the radio, you're still reaching and connecting with people on a feeling level. And I think that that's... The most important thing in, in any art is that there is a truth to it. That could be a religious truth, a political truth, a sexual truth, any kind of truth. And and when you when you speak that, then people respond to it. And the other part of like being a global artist is then taking what you do to other places. And and I think that the important part of that is is to believe that there is more than just what you see in front of you and that there are other people in the world who who are longing for the same things that you, that you are and and then also the willingness to go places that are not always comfortable you know you're not always staying in nice hotels most of the time you're in some little beat-up van going on some untracked road somewhere and then you get out and you play a song with somebody and you look into their eyes and you see that it's the same reaction you have when you play here at the Fillmore or when you play at Yankee Stadium. It's the, it's the same thing. And, and so when you're on the road, you don't necessarily wait. We were talking about this in the green room until for that inspiration you have, you yeah. don't wait to go home to... No. Well, one of the great things about the digital revolution in music is the democratization of production the ability that anybody has to open up their laptop or even on their iPhone now and to be able to write what is a quality of a recording that can be played on radio or, or, or be you know, that of the quality of a, any other hit song. And you know, so much of the music that we see today is, is being made in people's basements, garages, or like with us, we, we record when we're on tour, wherever we go, we just open our laptop we put our little speakers up and we make music all night until we get a knock on the door from the hotel security. <laughs> 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 uh, 
And then they come in, they go, oh, my God, it's you, Franti. Yeah, can I hear your new song? We go, no, man, you just got to hear it from outside the door. <laughs> I understand you also can test out music and, yeah. and record it from the yeah, road. No, and that, really... Yeah, that, that, it makes the, the fans are who we write music for, you know. And so a lot of times in the past, I've, I've written whole albums in, like, air-conditioned studio you know, with like baskets of hummus and M&Ms <laughs> scattered around. And then you go out on stage and you, your music sounds like it was recorded in air conditioning with baskets of M&Ms and hummus around. <laughs> and I don't want it to sound like that. I want it to sound like a sweaty club. You know, I wanted to sound that. So what we do is we go out and we play the songs live in front of a, a, a real audience. And, and then you see immediately, are they dancing to it? Are they singing along to it? Are they responding? And then you go back into the hotel and you stay up till six in the morning and you rock out until it sounds better. And so then by the time we put the record out, it, it sounds like something our, our fans you know, wanna hear. Let's talk about your fans because your fans are, are vocal. They are very engaged, which yeah. is a word that I hear often at this conference. And your website is uh, very sophisticated. So how... It's more sophisticated than I am. That's <laughs> well, let's start for a moment. How did you get involved in the digital revolution? And were you... Was your first reaction fear or... No, no. My first reaction was excitement because I'm always looking for something that's new. You know, in my music, in every day of life, I have an insatiable curiosity, you know, and excitement for new things. And so as soon as... You know, new technology came in, you know, samplers and electronic instruments. I, I would go out and buy them and just mess around with them, never read the instructions, just take it out of the box and start twiddling around with knobs and stuff. And, and the same thing was, has been with, you know, the Internet. I remember there was a time when I first started making music when fans would write us letters, like actual snail letters, handwritten. And we would get like 100 or 200 letters a year and we could write back to like six fans and we wouldn't even be able to read all the letters, you know. And then email came around and we get like hundreds of letters a week and I could respond to like five or six a day. And then when all the social media started happening, now it's gone from just having the ability to respond back once but to be able to communicate to all of them at one time and have them all be able to write back and have a dialogue. But even more important than me and the fans communicating is that the fans communicate with each other. And that is how it really, you know, exponentially grows. And so, you know, we've always been a band that allowed recording at our shows. And, and we saw an immediate increase in the amount of people who came to our shows just because the fans would make a recording and they'd post it and then other fans would hear it and they go, I, I want some of that, you know, I want to be at your show, you know. So for us being a band that was, you know, up until recently, we'd, we'd never had, you know, we had our first song in the top 20 about three or four years ago. We, we had never had a song in like the top 20,000. <laughs> I think once we had one record that went double linoleum at one time. <laughs> but, uh, you know, suddenly we're like hearing our music in shopping malls, you know. But even before that, we were hearing our music in people's cars as we'd pull up to our show and we'd go, we haven't even put that record out yet. 
that's just a song that we played live like last Tuesday. And now we're hearing it in, at, at the tailgating parties at our, at our shows, you know. And, and for a band like us that was, we always, we'd sit around and we'd bemoan the, the, the radio stations, you know. We'd be on our tour bus, fucking radio, they don't play our music. And, 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 and gripe and complain about it, you know. But at the same time, we'd be out touring and garnering this very loyal group of fans that would come to our shows every night. And then um, when the digital age came in and downloading started happening with music, all the bands that were on um, radio, it, it quickly became evident which bands, bands had real audiences out there. And, and when people stopped buying the CDs, um, those bands that hadn't done the, the legwork, they, they sort of dried up, or the bands that hadn't had the relationship with the audience, they, they dried up. It seems like, uh, you know, that was the precursor where we thought relationship was the most important thing, but we had no idea just how important it was going to be, because yeah. uh, without a relationship, there are no ticket sales, and yeah. without ticket sales, there's no monetization on yeah. a really, you know, practical level. Yeah. Um, but you don't just have fan engagement. You actually, I, I love your website, because just on the homepage, you have the Twitter feed and the song station, the video of the day, the news headlines, the social networking with featured friends, and all your current projects, and links to all these other wonderful political things. And then all you have to do is go to mobile, and it's like, call Michael. And yeah. I have to tell you, it's a secret. Yeah. I, I love listening to people leave messages for you. Yeah. They're fantastic. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, it's amazing. We, we try to work it in every way that we can, any way that somebody can plug into what we do. We want to have an invitation them there for them to do that. And like you said, our fans are really engaged, you know, and they, um, they're from a very diverse, uh, you know, ethnic, age, sexual orientation, everything. They come from all walks of life. And, and it's great to see people who, who are able to connect through you know, our music to, from all these different backgrounds. And, and so uh, we're always trying to find ways. And the most, the most fun way for me right now is Instagram. I just love Instagram. In fact, I'm gonna get you all my... <laughs> so put your hands up in there, do something good for us. Yeah, yeah, there we go, all right. <laughs> so, That's awesome. Yeah, I, I love Instagram because you know, it's like, you know, a picture is, worth you know as i say worth a thousand words and when you only have a 140 characters to do a thousand words becomes even more meaning meaningful but um yesterday we played this show for this fundraiser for barack obama and as soon as we walked off stage i, I pick up my phone and there's like three videos of of the show that we just did you know and I, and, and I was standing there showing it to barack i was like yo barack you ever seen yourself on tv before <laughs> Really the I, I got to tell you one thing about Varrock. So <laughs> last night we, were, we, we came backstage and they had set up this photo op and we were all waiting for to meet the president, you know. And, and uh, Boyd Tinsley is there from Dave Matthews' band, The Violin Player. And Barack comes in and he goes, Boyd says, Barack, that was a fucking great speech. <laughs> and Barack goes, I feel the same way too. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, as a matter of fact, I often wish I could say it just like you did. <laughs> and then he goes, 
In fact, I will. That was a fucking great speech. So if there's any reason you should vote for him, that's reason enough right there. So with all this fan integration and, and uh, communication, what would you say the takeaway is? What have you learned most from your fans? Um, I think the main thing is, is you learn about when you expose yourself. I mean, not <laughs> like that. When you expose parts of yourself to your... <laughs> that didn't come out any better, did it? The more... <laughs> the more that you show of who you are... <laughs> that's not even that good either. The more the fans relate. And it's as simple as that. It's like, you know, why, why is it that a show... Like, I, I, I don't watch a lot of TV, but I started watching 30 Rock a while ago, and I was like... Why is it that people watch this show? What do they like about it? Because all these people are telling me you got to watch the show. And it's that every week you learn more about the characters. Every week you find out that somebody has a mom or somebody went to law school before they became a comedy writer or somebody, this, somebody has a long-lost relative that's recently re-entered their life. It's like every week you find out something new about them. And that's how it is with um, being an artist and being um, involved in social media. It's like the more layers that you reveal of who you are, and what you're coming from and what your art means to you and where this song came from, the more the fans are going to be engaged. And on the other side of it is the more that you listen to what your fans are saying about themselves and the more that you pay attention and acknowledge where they are, either just through writing fans back. Like as soon as anybody tweets me the first time, I, I follow them. Every single person, every single one that comes on. Well, you know. And... And the thing is that it's just like an acknowledgement. They, they, they feel like, wow, this is like the greatest moment of my life. You know, like, you know, that, that, he, that this person who I really, you know, love their music is now listening to what I'm saying. And, and I read the feeds, you know, like as I'm sitting there on the toilet, I'll go through, <laughs> I'll go through and I'll just read. It's like, it's like reading someone's diary, except it's reading the diary of like thousands of people, you know, and, and through that, I, I, it's, it's not like I take things literally from there, but I get this sense of who my audience is. I get this sense of who it is that I'm writing for. It doesn't sound like innovation and technology has in any way encumbered you, as some artists are, are fearful that they'll be overwhelmed by yeah. the amount. No, I, I mean, I remember when, when downloading was first happening, and there was, you know, there was a group of artists who were really afraid of it and there was a lot and the labels were really suffering and there was a lot of people who wanted to put rules on it and put laws against it and you know let's break into kids dorm rooms and hang them <laughs> by their toes out the window until they stop downloading music or something you know and I wasn't one of those people because I I've, my goal has always been to get my music to as many people as possible you know and so I saw it as an opportunity to reach more you know, to reach more ears. And, um, but I do think that, there, that, I mean, if I had one dream to invite, you know, to the tech world, it's like, you know, when I think of an artist who's given so much, you know, for like a John Lee Hooker, for example, who, you know, gave 60 years of music to the world and whose music is all over, you can download it, you can stream it, whatever. And it's all over there, but he's not making any money from it. And his family and his passing is no longer making any money from it. It would be great if there was a way, and there should be 
a, a, a way that with all the things that we can come up with, that every bit of music has some kind of fingerprint on it so that as it is exchanged or as, it is, as it's streamed, that the fans pay for it. And if, and if, it is, if it's priced right, I know my fans don't, wouldn't mind paying. Like, they wouldn't mind if every time they click to hear a Michael Franti song, they just paid two cents. Why buy it for 98 cents or 99 cents or $1.29 or whatever it is and have it your thing? It's like, every time I want to hear it, I'll pay two cents. It goes on my phone bill, you know? I think one of the most interesting parts for me of this conference has been that we've been looking at a digital age for 25 years or so, and we haven't solved that question yet. And it seems, while I'm very excited about all the innovation, that should be sort of first on the agenda without a whole lot more time passing. Yeah. <laughs> I think so, you know. The, th the thing about it is that, you know, I, I, I grew up as a record collector and I saved my money. And I, I felt like this sense of not ownership in the record, but I, I felt the sense of ownership in the band. When I walked into a store and I bought an MDC album or I bought a Dead Kennedys album or I bought a Grandmaster Flash album, whatever it was, a Run DMC album, I felt an ownership and who I was as a person, you know, that I connected with that. You know, I remember the first time I bought a Clash record and feeling like I was in the band, you know. And, and so I don't think that fans mind paying money for, for their music, you know. And they, sh they show it by showing up to the shows. And the fact that live ticket sales, I mean, for compared to what they were, you know, 15 or 20 years ago, there's more bands out there touring today, there's more venues, there's more people who are willing, you know, to buy an airplane ticket to go see a band in Phoenix, you know. And so the, the fact that the internet has made music so available to people is the best thing for any musician. One of the things that I noticed on your website, and I was going to ask you about how your economy has changed over the last... 10 years or so, 15 years. But you have many different ways to monetize, and I yeah. mean that in the most wonderful sense. I mean, you're doing deals with, I wrote a list. It was like Moses, Thumbplay, Music City Networks, Band Merch, and, and that's just a small fraction of what you're doing, and ultimately, it seems to me, not only are you allowing monetization, but you're also creating an economy yeah. out there. You have your own economy, and people in this room are benefiting from that economy or are participating in that economy. Yeah, well, we, we have, um, you know, we, my goal has always been to play music until I decide I want to stop, you know, and probably will be when I'm really, really old <laughs> if I do it all. But it was never to get rich and retire. It was always to make another song and always to play another show. That's always been my goal. And so when... In order to do that, we have to have a great team, you know, and everybody in that team needs to be able to pay their rent, needs to be able to, to, to eat, and needs to be able to make it into the next month, the next year. And so, Catherine, who's sitting up here, Catherine Annie from Gorilla Management, <laughs> she, you know, her and I said years ago, we're like, we have all these goals that we want to do in terms of like our dreams to change the world, you know, to do philanthropic work, to travel to Iraq, you know, all these places that we go to and bring music, put on peace concerts, all these things. And in order to do it, we have to keep the wheels turning through, through economically. So we have to find other ways. And I remember when, when I first started licensing songs to, you know, to films and commercials and our fans were like, oh my God, you know, Dylan's gone electric, you know, it's like, <laughs> and, 
But the thing is, all my songs from the first one I wrote, every single song I ever wrote was a commercial. It was a commercial for love. It was a commercial for compassion. It was a commercial for being yourself. It was a commercial for some idea that I felt so burning in my heart that I wanted to express to other people. And as soon as I put it out there, it became a billboard. It became a slogan. And so I viewed it just like, look, we're, we're going to take these songs. We're going to let other people hear them through this, through this video game. And we're going to take money from that, and we're going to use it to keep the things going so that I can go to Iraq and make a film, and I can put on a peace concert, I can afford to fly my whole band to go play at an Occupy protest in Berlin or whatever we're going to do, you know. And so that's how we've always looked at it. We've always looked at it like we try to be our best at what we do. We try to serve the greater good and then rock out wherever we are and enjoy life, you know. And I think that is a perfect segue. If you wouldn't mind, I noticed you brought yeah. your guitar. Yeah, yeah. Would Let's like play some music. Yeah. Mr. Michael Frente. Okay. This is a brand new song, which means if I forget the lyrics, you have to forget. You won't know. <laughs> and it goes like this. Turn my guitar up just a little bit so we can. Oh, there we go. I got this little foot box down here. It's a piece of wood with a contact mic in it, and it, it replaces the drummer. And all the hassles that drummers bring. Like the fact that they're usually better looking than the lead singer. This one goes like this. Your hands together. If I can see Earth from outer space, do all of the stars to the human race, do all of the people in the streets that I once knew. If I can see Earth from outer space, do all of the stars to the human race, no matter where I go, I still come back to you. If I can see Earth from outer space, all of the stars to the human race no matter where i go i still come back to you here we go if i could fly 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 so high so high higher than the clouds even higher than the sky zoom zooming in upon the world rolling by would i see people in the cities in the villages and squares selling in the marketplaces dancing everywhere would i see Ladies in the beauty parlor doing hair Or teenage soldiers with their guns up in the air Would I see a hitless of the species that are gone? Or would I be a witness to the world dropping bombs? Would I see the rainforest, Amazon gone? Or would the whole world sing one song? If I could see Earth from outer space Do all of the stars to the human race Do all of the people and the streets that I want to
see earth from deep in outer space? Would I see happiness on everybody's face? Or would I see the wrinkles like roadmap sprinkles of years gone by? And tears that ripple like rivers that are dammed with plastic bottles and television shows about the next ex-supermodel. I don't know, but I know just one thing for sure. If I saw this, I still come back for more. Put your hands together now. If I could see Earth from outer space, through all of the stars, through the human race, through all of the people in the streets that I was knew. If I could see Earth from outer space, through all of the stars, through the human race, no matter where I go, I still come back to you. I like to see a planet every boombox booming. I like to see a planet every flower be blooming. I like to see a planet full of cars refueling. I like to see a planet every human staying human. I don't know, but I know just one thing for sure. If I saw this, I'd still come back for more. If I could see Earth from outer space, through all of the stars, to the human race, through all of the people and the streets that I once knew. If I could see Earth from outer space, through all of the stars, through the human race, no matter where I go, I still come back to you. Put your hands together and let me hear you say, My grandmother taught me the virtues of eternal optimism. And uh, my grandmother had been raised by her grandparents. And uh, her mother had, her grandmother had been a slave until the time that she was uh, 12 years old. And her grandfather had been a Seminole Indian man who was a veterinarian, he traveled around the mountains of Virginia and take care of farm animals. And uh, when my grandma was 96 years old, I, w I went to go visit her for what I, what I wasn't sure at the time, but I thought might be the last time. And I got this call, she's in the hospital. And so I go to the hospital and I go and she's on a heart meter and uh, she's hooked up to life support. And, and uh, I walk in the hospital and I say, Grandma, why are you in the hospital? She kind of opens her eyes and she goes, because I'm pregnant. <laughs> I said, Grandma, who got you pregnant? Reverend Mitchell. <laughs> and 96 years old. <laughs> so my grandma taught me to always be able to laugh and to always appreciate life and always be able to look into the eyes of people that you care about, the people that are around you, the people that you're working with all the time, and to be able to appreciate the moments that you're doing. And right now, like, we're at the precipice of history as we are here, as we're, as we're thinking of all these ideas and creating new ways of doing things, new ways of, 
like seeing the world, new ways of projecting out to the world, new ways of receiving the world, that uh, we're all here because we care about it and because we have passion for it. We have, we have desire to, to, to see the future and to see things differently. And so um, just this, this, I'm going to play one more song. And then, but this, uh, I guess the, the meaning behind this song is to, is to just be able to at times appreciate those people who are around you, you know. You could be writing code for hours or coming up with ideas, but if you never take the time to thank the people that you're with, then it, at the end of the day, you walk out of the room and go, why did I do it? So uh, that's what this song is about. So I just want to say thank you for sharing your visions with me, your ideas with me. Thanks for sharing your heart, your passion, your spirit, and, and uh, rock out wherever you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every day's not Valentine's But you make it feel like most of the time When I'm all alone with you Picking up pieces of my life Sometimes there's ones I just can't find But they found a home with you Whoa, I'm not afraid to be alone But being alone is better with you Life is better with you, whoa, whoa. Life is better with you, whoa, whoa. Life is better with you. When I think about the things that we've been through, I know just one thing is true. Life is better with you. Some days are better than other days. But these days, life is better with you. Some days are better than other days. But these days, life is better with you. Put your hands together now. Come on. Well, tell me what you want. I'll give you all that you need with my heart and my hands. Saying, please, baby, please. Because nobody does that thing you do better than you. I'll still swim around in my head of all the words we ever said. My favorites remain. I love you. Whoa, I'm not afraid to be alone. But being alone is better with you. Life is better with you. Whoa, whoa. I mean, life is better with you. Think about the things that we've been through. I know just one thing is true. Everybody on their feet now. Come on, y'all. Every day's not Valentine's, but you make me feel it most of the time with you. Put your hands together. You. There you go. And all my life I tried to find the one who makes me feel the way you do. I want to hear you sing now. Here we go. We say, some days are better than other days. But these days, life is better with you. Days are better than other days. But these days, life is better with you. And when I think about the things that we've been through, I know just one thing is true. What? Life is better with you. I want to see if I can get all these tech people singing out loud. Here we go. Break it down. Life is better with you. Whoa. Whoa. Life is better with you. Whoa. Whoa. 
just one thing is true. Thanks a lot for having me, y'all. Thanks a lot, y'all. Mr. Michael Frente.